Lord Jesus, thank you that you speak through what you've already spoken. And we pray as we look at uh, these scriptures this afternoon that your spirit would bring them alive into our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Brilliant. Thank you, everybody. And it's really, really lovely to uh, be together again. So um, you've probably got the hint through our opening words and our, our confession that we're looking at what's called the Beatitudes. So the Beatitudes are those sayings of Jesus uh, that he kicked off his ministry with that um, Felucio just read uh, so well to us. But um, we're going to do... Um, because you, I, people talk about you being the most intelligent people in the world. So, so we're going to do a little bit of thinking this afternoon. Is that okay? Before we kind of apply it to our lives. So we're going to, uh, going to kind of switch on our little brains a little bit. It's there somewhere. And we're going to do thinking a little bit about around these attitudes. So um, have a little chat with the person next to you. And uh, ask them this. Say, if you could live in any point in history, what would it be? Any point. Just 30 seconds. Any point in history? Have a minute. Any point in history, what would it be? What's the bit where you think, oh, I'd love to have lived in the 60s or or the 1800s or uh, whatever, whatever. So I can see some serious um, conversations going on. Actually, I won't ask for uh, I won't ask for any uh, any answers. But uh, maybe over coffee and cake, we can have a have a natter about it. But um, but yeah, it's an interesting question, isn't it? So, and you're probably thinking, what what you know, uh, what has that got to do with this afternoon? Well, um, the ne- next slide. Thank you, Joe. Well, um, anyone here Doctor Who fans? Uh, yeah, some some are very strong Doctor Who fans. I had a feeling you would be, Dave. So, um, if you know Doctor Who, Doctor Who uh, time travels. I'm told. Is that right? Rumour has it that she time travels and she goes through, you know, time and, and planets and universes and pops up at, at different eras. And, you know, it's an, it's an incredible thing to be able to do, isn't it? Well, the, the interesting thing is, I was going to point to the Bible, then I, I haven't got one on me, but it's, it's in my pocket, it's on my phone. Uh, but the interesting thing about the Bible is the Bible itself is a time traveling document. Have you kind of thought about that? It's a time-traveling document. It's really, really interesting. And as it journeys through time, different people read it in those different times. So if some of you here wanted to live in the 1600s, I think I heard Shane say, um, then, you know, he would be reading the Bible as someone who lived in the 1600s. And the Bible travels through time. Or if you think it would be really interesting to live in the 1980s, if you're Nathan, he's heard about that decade, uh, or what have you, uh, you know, he can read it in that period under, uh, under certain conditions and so on. And so do you see, just as Doctor Who time travels, the Bible is a time traveling document, time traveling document. And the reason that's interesting is this, is because as it travels through time, so this is, you know, it all, let's say this is my Bible, uh, not literally my Bible, my Bible is on my phone, I don't mean it in some weird way, my phone is my Bible, uh, but uh, you know, it kicks off here, you know, a couple of thousand years before Jesus was, was on earth, and, and then, um, you know, people are scribing and writing, and it kind of travels through time, and then it gets to like AD 300, and everyone's, well, it gets to, let's go AD 100, lovely time, wasn't it? Justin the Martyr, he got killed, clues in the name, and so Justin the Martyr reading it and he's finding out and he's thinking oh this is interesting all about Jesus and oh he he has slightly different views than us so then it goes to 300 AD and they're reading it and they're thinking different things and it goes to the 1500s and then the 1980s and 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 here we are 2023 so it's a time traveling document and so theologians have called this because I know that's what you're thinking you're thinking what do theologians call this James well I'll tell you it's reception history isn't it of course it is it's 
not about primary schools, or, nor is it about what room you're in. It's reception history. It's how the Bible's been received through all the generations and its impact. So, so one way we read the Bible wouldn't, would be a very different way than other people read the Bible. I'll give you an example. So my mum, uh, she's passed away now, um, but she grew up in a very strict kind of religious family called the Brethren Movement. Some of you may have heard of it, okay? And so she wasn't allowed, she never cut her hair because it's a disgrace for a woman to have uh, short hair. So she never cut hair until her dad died and he was out of the way and then she shaved it all off and did a Sinead O'Connor uh, and uh, what have you. And then, but she never went on the steps of the cinema because the cinema was worldly and it had the word sin in it so she wasn't literally wasn't allowed on that you know I remember growing up as a kid we were taught that the bible said I can't play with my friends on a Sunday and I can't watch EastEnders Omnibus if anyone remembers that on a Sunday I can't do any of that on a Sunday but then a few years later we changed church and God had changed his mind which is very convenient don't know how that happened suddenly the bible said I can go out and play with my friends and and watch tv and have a life and feel you know so do you see what I mean so even in my little lifetime which you know is feeling longer these days but that how we read the bible has changed the bible is like a time traveling document and how it's interpreted by one generation is different than another so wouldn't it be cool if we were all like Doctor Who and we could all just kind of like travel through time and we can see how the Bible's been interpreted at different times and if we did I bet we'd be far more relaxed about all the kerfuffle that's going on in the world at the moment and synod and so on but it's really interesting to have a little look at it so this is what we're going to do we're going to stand back next slide thank you Joe we're going to stand back for a few minutes and we are going to join Doctor Who in her TARDIS okay and uh, we're going to go back in time and look at all the different ways very briefly because We've got guests here and I've got some nice dinner at home. We're going to look at all the, all the different ways that they've looked at the Beatitudes, okay? These sayings of Jesus over and over, over the years as we've travelled through time. So are we ready? We're going to get into our TARDIS. I don't know what noise the TARDIS makes, but Dave, you could probably do it, couldn't you? But uh, we're going to get through it and we're going to look at all these different ways that the Bible and the Beatitudes have looked at. So you're ready. Next slide. Thank you, Joe. So there's only a few. Look at that. We'll be finished before you know it. Okay, so the first way that people looked at these Beatitudes and it all kind of makes sense at the end is the first thing they thought people thought it was like an anti-Roman um, kind of political broadcast by Jesus okay so you have to remember the times where Jesus lived in he was under Roman Empire okay so it wasn't like a democratic society for argument's sake like we have today you know give or take it was under a kind of Roman dominated society and Caesar ruled everything you'd have to say Caesar is Lord literally Caesar is Lord and Caesar was the Prince of Peace he owned all these titles it's really interesting isn't it and so they used to have their equivalents of beatitudes like virtues and so Rome had their kind of list of these are the important ways to be in the world if you're a Roman citizen these are your values these are your ideas you know if you go into a company or a church or a school you have these values that you're we're all supposed to live up to so so Roman Empire had those kind of values that that they lived up to so Jesus comes along in the context and says a load of stuff that's completely opposite to what Rome was saying okay so it's really quite revolutionary really cheeky really not just kind of quaint thoughts you know um you know I love my mother-in-law she's uh, fantastic. Esther's at the back, so she really is fantastic. Uh, she has these sort of posters of, you know, God loves us and kittens playing with wool and things like that, that sort of thing. These aren't these kind of cute sayings of Jesus. They were seen as like really revolutionary sayings, that they were kind of anti-Roman sayings. It's like, it's like big time stuff, like Jesus was challenging.
challenging the empire, which is, in the end, is why he got crucified, because they were like, whoa, this guy's a threat. So, so that's one way. So if we travel back in time, we'd join a bunch of people, and they'd be preaching about it, and it'd all be going on about anti-Roman, kind of and it's political, and let's change our society. And then we're just traveling a little bit through time. We're pottering around. We're going to get to about 1600s now. Everyone happy? You all right there? We're going to join the Mennonites, the Anabaptists. You know who they are, don't you? Of course you do. So we're joining them now. They're lovely. They're nice people. They're very peaceful people, apart from one or two of them. But on the whole, they're very peaceful people. And they're reading the Sermon on the Mount, and they're like you know, wacky fundamentalists. It's brilliant. They're like, this is how we interpret the, sermon, uh, the Beatitudes and Sermon on the Mount. We've got to live it all. 100% completely live it out. Totally, all of it, everything. So if someone asks you for your coat now, you just give them all your coats that you've got. If someone breaks into your house, you show them around and let them take everything that you want. Um, you have to, you know, if you, if you fast and you pray and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you literally do everything the Sermon on the Mount says. If someone hits you on your right cheek, you just turn the other and say, come on, hit me on, don't do, please don't do this now. Uh, you know, hit me, hit me on the left. So, so they were very kind of literal, or Leo Tolstoy, for some of you remember him back in the day, a Russian author, um, uh, wrote some fantastic books. So for them, the Beatitudes, this, particularly the Beatitudes, was about living it out, the whole Sermon on the Mount. It was a literal interpretation. This is the way to live. So, so we've gone back in our TARDIS, Dave. Did you like that? Are you enjoying it there? We're going to pop back in because Dave likes it. So we're popping back in and uh, we're going to go, I don't know, I don't know, we go to here. I can't remember what era this was. I'll make it up. Let's go, let's go to 1533 at last. We're there, 1533. So it's back in the middle of medieval, midi, midi, that word, you know, uh, the year of the monks, okay? So this is when the monks and the nuns were on the rise, and they were on the rise. And so loads of people looked at the Sermon on the Mount and thought, this is a really tough one to live out, isn't it? This is absolutely a nightmare. These Beatitudes, have you ever tried living them? Have you ever tried turning the other cheek? Have you ever actually tried fasting and, and praying regularly and, and, um, all the, you know, and doing all the things that Jesus said and going the extra mile and being perfect? And it's pretty hard work, really. So people are reading and think, we can't do that, but... Look at those monks in their little brown outfits and those nuns. Don't they look beautiful? Look at St. Francis over there and Claire there. They're just stunning. And they are living it out. So here's the plan. The Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to split it into two. So you've got the crowds. That's us lot. We're the crowds just, you know, hanging in there. And, and then you've got the other tier, the two-tier system. You know, it's like private healthcare and NHS. So you've got the two-tier system. You've got the top system, and that's the monks and the nuns. And they are living it out. So the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount only really applied to them. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I'm quite happy for that. They can do all of that. I can just try and cope with, you know, getting up in the mornings or whatever. But then they've got to live it out. So, so we're in our TARDIS, Dave. We get out and they're like, this is a two-tier system. Dave's not happy about that. He wants to go again. So he goes back again. And um, he's, you don't mind me using you, do you, Dave? Uh, and then, um, then we, we pop up and we've popped out of the TARDIS and look who it is. It's John Calvin and Martin Luther. Of course it is. Not too keen on them, but there they are. You can't avoid them. So you get out and you have a little chat with them. Martin, John, how you doing? Very well, thanks. How are you? Burnt anyone recently, John? Yeah, good on you. Okay. Anyway, so, so there you go. So we were talking to John Calvin and Martin Luther and having a little natter with them. And we're, say, we're saying, I just, Dave says to Martin, he says, Martin, 
we're just coming from 2023. We're just doing a little series on the Beatitudes and Dud. Yeah, Top Church. Yeah, you've heard of it. Yeah. And uh, uh, how, do you, how do you interpret the, uh, the Beatitudes? And Martin said, well, that's easy, Dave. You've got no chance. You've got absolutely no chance of living out ever. I've seen you. No, I've got, you've got no chance whatever living it out. Dave says, what do you mean? He said, well, remember what Jesus does first. And Dave said, of course I remember. But just remind us, Martin, for the sake of everybody else. And he says, okay, then. Jesus heals everybody at the start of the Sermon on the Mount. They haven't done anything. They've had no teaching. Uh, they've, not, you know, they've all probably been misbehaving, been very naughty children or whatever, and Jesus heals them all. So Martin says, you know what? It's grace, isn't it? It's all about grace. The whole point of the Beatitudes, and John said, the whole point of them is that we can't live them and we fall back on grace. And we just think, no chance of doing that, apart from those monks who are fiddling about over there. Apart from that, and we fall back on grace. We've got no chance. Dave thinks, that's all right, Martin, but I've got to go, got to lead the end song. So he dips back into his TARDIS, we're pottering around, and he ends up uh, 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 talking to Albert Schweitzer, of all people. You get out again, talks to Albert Schweitzer. Now, Albert, you remember Albert? Anyone know Albert? He's dead now, so if you did know him, it'd be interesting. But anyway, Albert um, wrote a little book about Jesus. He is also a really good organist. And a doctor. He was this weird, amazing chap. He was—he he did loads of work in. He, he opened up a medical centre uh, in—I think it's a—I uh, can't remember which country it was in now, somewhere in Africa. And then he—he—he he, he did like he was an explorer, and he did like—he uh, was the best at playing Bach on the organ, and he did things on Jesus. He was—he was like this kind of polymath, kind of genius sort of person. Anyway, that's Albert for you. So. We're chatting to Albert. Anybody else want to be in your TARDIS, Dave? Because it's a bit repetitive with you, isn't it? Felucia, do you want to be in there? She's in. She's all in. Okay, so Felucia, because Albert's clever, we've put Felucia onto him. So uh, Felucia is chatting to Albert. And Felucia's saying, Albert, tell me a little bit about the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, because you've studied Jesus a lot. So Albert says to Felucia, well, good job you asked, Felucia, because I was just about to do a sermon on it. So Felucia listens. And Albert says this. The whole thing was that Jesus thought the end of the world was going to happen in his generation. So really, you've got the whole thing was just for that generation. It wasn't really kind of relevant to us anymore. It's kind of like all the way through Jesus is saying it's the end of the world. It's the end of the world. And talks about final judgment, talks about Gehenna, talks about heaven, talks about reward. So, so it's not kind of immediately relevant. So Felucia says, Albert, 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 I hear what you're saying. I'm not quite sure if I agree because she's got strong views on the second coming but uh, but but uh, how can that help us now Albert because you're still following Jesus yet you think it was sort of conditional great question he says to Felicia so Albert answers like this Albert says because if one thinks the end of the world is happening it makes you stand back a little bit from what's happening and you can see things a bit more clearly so actually whether Jesus thought that or not actually he was able to stand back and see the world and think this is the way to live this is it. This is the way to live. If you're going to live well, live the Beatitudes. If you're going to live well, live the Sermon on the Mount. So that, Felucio Albert said, is how you get kind of relevancy from it, even if you, Albert thought it might not be necessarily applicable. But then we get back in the TARDIS. We're pottering around. And then we're on the way, and we pop out. You know who you see, don't you, Felucio, when you get out next? Carl. Carl Barth. See, Carl Barth. So she's having a little chat with Carl Barth, who wrote a book called The Church Dogmatics, massive bestseller, honestly. And, uh, and, and Felicia said, Carl, a lot to chat to you about, Carl. Uh, but one thing in particular, before I get back in the TARDIS, I want to know a little bit about how you saw the Beatitudes. And Carl, I'm going to ask everyone, I'm going to check on everybody after this. And, uh, and Carl said this, 
It's a complete and utter portrait of Jesus himself. That's what the Beatitudes are. It's Jesus. He was poor. He was meek. He was mourning. He was a man of mourning and sorrow. He was persecuted. He was a peacemaker. He was gentle. The whole point of the Beatitudes, Carl says, is that actually they present us with a picture of Jesus and how he is in the world. So next slide, thank you, Jay. Never thought we'd get to the end of that. You thought it was the end of the world, didn't you, listening uh, to all of that. There you go. It's 2,000 years, quickly. But, um, but how does that kind of work out for us? And it shows us, as the Bible travels through time, everybody reads it in a slightly different way according to their time. And that doesn't freak me out. That excites me, even though perhaps for some of you, you thought, what the heck are you going on about here, James? Uh, uh, but that excites me because it means for us today here in Top Church in Dudley or wherever uh, we're living, it means that actually we've got that space and that liberty for us to think, what do these mean for me today? What does it mean for Jesus to say, for me, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God? What does it mean in our day and age for Jesus to say, blessed are the meek, for they inherit the earth? What, what does it mean for your life that blessed are the peacemakers, for they be called children of God? What does that mean in your workplace, in your family life, in your everyday? What, what does it mean this day for blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God? So we have got, as we journey through the Beatitudes, that was all way of... Um, when I say a way of introduction, it doesn't mean I'm going to say anything more now. It means that is introduction to, to the context of the Beatitudes. We've got such liberty and space to explore all these Beatitudes, to discover what, what does this mean for me? Suze was speaking on it uh, this morning at Top Church, I wasn't here, and I'm sure she won't mind me saying, but for her, one of the things in her journey is that she's, like me, she's dyslexic. And when you're dyslexic, you get a bit muddled. You think, geez, they're blessed of the cheesemakers and all that sort of stuff. And you don't quite know where uh, half the time what's going on, but you just sort of quite enjoy things, really. Um, but for her, it was this grace of saying, blessed are the dyslexics, for they get loads of grace. What, what is it that you think is your kind of weakness, as it were, your kind of disadvantage? And maybe just change that around. And maybe Jesus is saying, blessed are you. When everyone else says you can't do stuff and you can't do this and you can't do that, you're not good enough. Maybe this afternoon Jesus whispers to you, blessed are you and you fit in the gaps, whatever it is for you. Blessed are you because yours is the kingdom of heaven. You know, when Jesus said blessed are the poor in spirit, I think he's simply meaning in lots of different ways. Blessed are those who hold things lightly who recognize everything is a gift, who possess kind of nothing and don't hold on to anything, but hold things lightly. And maybe for some of us this afternoon, there's something in that of realizing sometimes we grasp and hold on to people and to things and to situations so tightly that actually we end up suffocating them. And Jesus said, those who are poor receive everything as a gift. Blessed are those who see life as a gift, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And maybe that's something for us today. So I know that was quite an unusual sort of uh, introduction and talking about it. And for some of us, that would have meant we've just had a nice little snooze for 10, 15 minutes. Uh, for others of us, actually, it may have just sparked some thinking of, actually, how, how do we approach these texts? And more importantly, a broader question is, how do we read the Bible? Remembering it's been read differently over time in every situation. And maybe sometimes we've just got to get into the TARDIS with Dave and Felucio and realize there's different ways of seeing things and different ways of viewing things. And that's some of the things we're going to be exploring in our Beatitudes.
I'm going to say a little prayer together, um, and then Dave's going to lead us in a song of worship. Then after that, before we eat cake together, um, it's, uh, Felucio's going to lead us in a short time of prayer. Let's just pray together. Loving God, I just uh, thank you for these Beatitudes, how they've been seen in so many different ways over the years. But I just pray for us this afternoon, that we might hear how they're speaking to us right now. And blessed are we, for ours is the kingdom of heaven. Amen.